0: God really didn't say that his number one priority for us was for us to be happy. Uh, He wants us to be holy, uh, and as a bonus, if we are holy, we will actually be happier in life. Today, I think we're going to look at one of the most common misquotes uh, from God, and people tend to drop quotes like this on us when we are at our lowest When you are going through a difficult time, overwhelmed, stressed to the max, grief-stricken, when you're thinking, I can't take any more of this, it's just too much. Uh, Some of you are there now. (laughs) The rest of us know exactly what that's like, because that's just life. And a few of you are thinking, you know what? I just said that, and the answer is no. I do not have anything recording things in your home. Uh, But everybody knows what that's like because that's just life sometimes. But in those moments, well-meaning, annoying Christians will say things like this. Hey, remember, whenever God closes a door, he opens a window. What does that even mean? When somebody says that to me, I think, do you think God wants me to jump out a window? Because that hurts. And like, did God really say that? Because I've never seen that in the Bible, and I've read it. Or they'll say things like, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Now, that's not in the Bible either. Uh, but what I'm pretty sure people are saying to me in that moment is that they don't think I'm pulling my own weight. <laughs> in other words, I'm in trouble because it's my fault, because if I would do my part, God would do his part. Now that's that's a whole nother sermon. Uh, but the piece of well-meaning advice that people give us when we're in a, a, a hard time or struggling uh, is, is this, relax, remember, God will never give you more than you can handle, which is a cheesy, spiritual, judgmental way of saying I think you should be handling this better, <laughs> because God will never give you more than you can handle, so suck it up. Like, if you're having a hard time, it's, it's your fault. And the question is, did God really say that? And the answer is, no, he didn't. So if God didn't really say that, why is that one of the most common misquotes that people put in God's mouth. I think, I believe, that that misinterpretation actually comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says this. Paul writes it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So Paul, first of all, he's talking about temptation, not not situations in life in general that he's talking about temptation that is common to every single person. Temptation is that pull on our heart, on our spirit, to rebel against God And do our will instead of God's. And Paul isn't talking about dealing with stressful situations in life in general. He's talking about the pull to be tempted to do sin. Now we're going to talk about that verse in a lot greater detail next week. But but here I want to just say that Paul is saying when you are tempted, you can't say the devil made me do it. You can't claim, I couldn't help myself. Why? Because God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and God will always provide a way out. So if you look to God, you will always be able to stand up under the temptation and choose God's path instead of sinning. His grace and his power can enable us to do the right thing. Paul is putting the responsibility back on us to rely on God's grace and to resist temptation. Because that temptation is common to everyone, and God will always provide a way out so that we can stand up under it. Now, if you look in the Bible, there are many people that face situations that they would describe as too much for themselves to handle. And I want to just give you a couple. Um, Gideon claimed that he was the least and he was the weakest in his clan and that he couldn't possibly lead an army against the enemies of God. And when God called him, it was almost as if he said, are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Like I'm hiding right now and you want me to lead an army? Too much for me to handle. Moses was called by God to speak to Pharaoh. And Moses' response was, I can't can't talk very well. Send someone else. This situation, it's too much for me. It's not possible. Jesus, in Mark's gospel, chapter 14, verses 33 and 34, said this. He took Peter, James, and John with him and became deeply troubled, And distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. Jesus is sweating literally drops of blood, and he tells Peter, James, and John, I am overwhelmed to the point where I think I'm going to die. I need your help. I I want you to stay and watch with me. God never said that he wouldn't give you situations that you couldn't handle on your own. So if you're overwhelmed, if you've been stressed, if you don't feel like you have what it takes, stop beating yourself up. Even Jesus felt overwhelmed. Your feeling crushed in spirit does not mean that you have a lack of, of faith. It's not a sign that God thinks you're stronger than you really are. God never said you wouldn't have days like this. I wonder what Jesus would have said to Peter, James, and John if they would have said to him in the garden when he said, you know what, I feel like I am just overwhelmed. I'm to the point of death. I wonder what he would have said if Peter, James, and John would have said, remember, Jesus, God will never give you more than you can handle. So why would God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Why Why would he let his son be so burdened and grief stricken? I wanna share a couple possibilities with you this morning, but I wanna give you this disclaimer first. It is a mystery to me how much God's hand is guiding us into, through, and out of those difficult situations. Most of us will own all day long God guiding us through and out of difficult situations. But when we think about God allowing or leading us into those seasons of life, That's a tough one. And and how much and where God is at work is not always easily discerned. So with that disclaimer, I want to share with you a couple reasons why God might be walking us through those seasons in life. Number one, in overwhelming times, God wants to show us that we need his presence, How many of you have ever noticed that when things are going really, really well in life, you don't always acknowledge your need for God, right? I mean, it's kind of just me. Thank you. Um, I love you guys. Um, But seriously, when things are going really, really well in life, we kind of just hope that God keeps things going really, really well. It's like, this is awesome, but when things go bad, we see our need for Jesus. You, you don't always pay attention to your need for God when things are going well. And I think that's especially true if someone hasn't ever accepted Jesus. Because if you've never accepted Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, you've never seen your need for forgiveness. You've never kind of come to the point where you think, God, I need you. Even like every hour, I need you for my salvation. Who I am isn't enough for you. I need your grace, your forgiveness. You make me enough. You make me righteous. You make me holy. In fact, if you're Not a Christian, that that kind of relationship with God probably sounds crazy. But it's the spirit dwelling in us that makes us righteous, that gives us that assurance that we are God's own. But even as believers, we can take our relationship with God for granted when things are going well. It's easier when things aren't going well to acknowledge our need for God's presence. And it's in those moments that his presence comes into acute focus, isn't it? It's almost like a spiritual reality check if you're a Christian. When things are tough, it's like, God, I am so sorry that I neglected my relationship with you. I I do need you. I'm sorry I lost sight of my need for you. God reveals himself, though, to, to everyone who's going through tough times, and I think that's part of God's plan for tough times in our lives, to, to help us see our need for his presence. Maybe that is exactly why you're here today. Maybe, maybe you thought, you know what, I am so overwhelmed right now, I'm going to go check this Jesus thing out because I can't handle life. And if you're here for that reason, we are so glad that you are here. And we pray and we hope that when you leave here this day, you, you get in touch with God's presence because he's here for you when you're overwhelmed. And so are we. We're so sorry. Life is crazy right now. But maybe, just maybe God's plan was that you be here to recognize your need for his presence. One of my best friends in college was a guy by the name of Bob. Uh, And we had gone to high school together, but we we really weren't close friends. We really became tight when we went to Penn State Barron. And Bob and I were good friends, and Bob was a a good friend of a guy that we also went to high school with that I didn't hang around much named Aaron Snyder. And Aaron went to some college I... I can't remember now, but he was a philosophy major, and the dude was smart. I mean, he was a brainiac in high school, but he thought on levels like I, like I didn't even know those levels existed. In fact, Aaron, as a philosophy major, wasn't sure that he even existed. Uh, we were doing pizza one day, and he said, you know what? Uh, maybe I exist only in your mind. And I thought, this guy's messed up. And I thought, that, that you might not think this is as funny as I think, but I told him to close his eyes, and his mind wouldn't know if I punched him in the mouth. And if it hurt, he would be real. And he would know he was real because he wouldn't see it coming in his mind. He didn't think that was that funny, and he didn't close his eyes. But Aaron Aaron definitely was not a Christian. And not long after we had pizza together with Bob, Bob died of a brain aneurysm at 22 years old. And as Aaron and I were riding to the cemetery to put Bob in the ground, he asked me this question. Why would God let this happen? And I thought to myself, wait a minute, (laughs) you don't even believe in God. I didn't say it out loud. But see, there's something about those overwhelming times in life when God comes into acute focus, even if you don't acknowledge that you even believe in him. There is something about those times when we desire the presence of God and we want him to make sense of everything that overwhelms us in life. And in those moments, God does in fact speak. Jonah 2 verse 2 says this, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. In our rebellion, in our disobeying, in our disbelief, in our confusion and distress, God is there. I believe God sent somebody here this morning that needs to hear this truth. Never let your distress Persuade you that God's presence is not available to you. Never let your distress convince you that God's presence isn't available to you. He never will forsake you. He will never leave you. And maybe if you were drawn here this morning because of the stress, God's intent was that you leave here knowing his presence, which leads me to point number two. God will sometimes allow us to experience more than we can handle, to teach us to call on him and depend on his power. It's one thing to acknowledge God's presence uh, and to to seek him in those moments of crisis. When we are overwhelmed, that's pretty easy at times. Even, Even Aaron called out to Jesus. It's another thing altogether to call on him and learn to depend on him. As a pastor, I grieve um, when I see people come because of some crisis and need of God's presence in their life. But when that when that subsides, when things return to normal, I, I grieve when people walk away from God. It's, it's almost like God is a a panic button or an easy button. And when they're in distress, they want to hit it and they want to come. But when that's over, they don't continue to see a need for God. And I'm sure all of us grieve that. When somebody that you've been praying for, somebody that you've been reaching out to, starts to open up to the Spirit and what Jesus offers them, your heart and your hope just soars. But there is always that possibility that they will walk away from God's presence after the crisis is over. We all do it. We all take that relationship with Jesus for granted at times, especially if that individual, like we talked last week, is kind of thinking that God owes them. Hey, I'm coming to church. Uh, I'm trying to do good. God God should fix this. But see, we, we, we talked last week God's more interested in our character than in our mood. The Apostle Paul went through a situation where he wrestled with this need for God, but not seeing an answer. And I want to look at that. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul describes this, many of you are, are aware from that, of that verse, as this thorn in his flesh. And most scholars feel it was some kind of an eye problem, some kind of an eye issue, likely from when God knocked him on his can on the road to Damascus with the bright light and Paul was blinded temporarily, most scholars think that Paul, even though he could see again, probably suffered some kind of lingering scar of that. Isn't that just like life? God can forgive you, but you always suffer the consequences of sin, right? There are sometimes scars to our rebellion. Whatever it was, whether it's physical, emotional, metaphorical, Paul pleaded with God to take it away three different times. I'm not going go to go into the Greek, but this is more than like Paul asking three times in a row, like, please, God, please, like, please can you take it away? The, the word means here like three different seasons of pleading with God. It was an ongoing conversation. Now, if you know someone that struggles with an ongoing health issue, this makes perfect sense to you. Because as life goes on, things come up, seasons, and, and life can take a whole nother different realm of hard and overwhelming as you struggle with an ongoing disease. And you find yourself coping for a while, and then being overwhelmed for a while, and then it goes back and forth. And I'm sure that's what's going on in these seasons of Paul's life. Look at this from a a purely Paul thinking that God owes him a healing. If anybody deserved to be healed, it was probably Paul. He had tremendous faith. He suffered for Jesus in so many ways. He wrote most of the New Testament in large print, by the way. Uh, Paul at one point said, I, I write this letter to you, this closing, in my own hand. See what large letters I use. And some, some people think, oh, that Paul means a, a long letter, a large letter. It was actually one of his shorter length letters. I saw a manuscript once of Paul's actual writing, and it was in large letters. Evidence again of maybe a, an eye problem. He had to write big. In all of our lives, as we deal with challenges, there will come a time when we go to Jesus and we ask, can't you heal this? Can't you fix this? Can't you make my headaches go away? Can't you heal my marriage? Can't you be with my son or my daughter? Won't you do this just one thing? Don't I deserve just this one thing? I know you can, God. Why won't you do this. Paul is pleading with Jesus. Why would God allow him to have more than he could handle? Here's what God told Paul in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I know this is a hard word, but I hope it ministers to your spirit in a deep, deep way. God's grace is sufficient. His power is seen in our weakness. Paul resigns himself that God's grace is sufficient. He, he, he clings to that fact. And he says, okay, if, if your grace is made sufficient in my weakness, then I will celebrate my weaknesses. I will own it, and I will give you all the glory. Paul was whipped beaten, snake-bitten, shipwrecked, and more. But he says, you know what? If God is seen in all of that, then I will own all of it and rejoice in it. He's calling out to God in his weakness, and he's learning to depend on the power of God. You can only go so far on your own strength and your own power. But the wind of the Spirit can give you strength and power in your weakness. I don't know who here this morning is like at the end of your rope, but there is power and strength available to you from the Spirit. And somehow, somehow we get to know Him better in those valleys, than we do on the mountaintops. Maybe you believe that lie that God would never give you more than you could handle. So you're holding on and you're trying to do it all on your own, thinking you just need to suck it up and try harder. God never said that. Let him be your strength in your weakness, because his grace is sufficient. And that's when you're strong. You were created to need his presence. And if you call on him, he will give you strength and power from the Holy Spirit. His grace is sufficient, even in our weakness. Let me pray. Father, I pray today that your power the power that comes from your Holy Spirit would be real to us as we seek you. Even as we are in some ways, and in God, at times we're all there. We are at the end of our rope. And I pray, God, for those who are in that valley right now in this moment, that even though they are walking through this dark time, that they would not fear because, God, you are truly with us. God, build our faith. Help us to see your power. And God, I pray that as we are gathered this morning that your healing would in fact go out and that your grace would be sufficient. I pray, God, for that that single mom who is just at the end of her rope and is having trouble. I pray for marriages that are hanging on by a thread. And God, I pray that for those who receive bad news from a doctor. I pray for those who are lifting kids before you. I pray for those suffering from illnesses that just won't go away. God, you are our healer. You are able. But God, in those times of weakness, your grace is still sufficient. God, be with us when we are weak, and may your power be seen through us in a mighty way. May you receive all the glory and honor. And God, I want to take a moment for those who who are dealing with the sins of their past. And if the guilt and the shame of what you have done in the past and, and who you are and the ways that you've failed, if that's weighing on your spirit, I need to let you know that Jesus came to offer you grace and forgiveness. And he wants to be able to wash that away from your spirit. And all all you need to do is ask him, call on him, invite him into your heart and into your life. I know it doesn't make sense, but the Spirit will take up residence in your heart and will whisper to you that you are God's. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.